0: woke up this morning into my car to stop my day. First yeah. My buyer.
1: Yeah, if, uh, if you say something that you're not comfortable with, just uh, say, hey, I want to start. you know, Give it a second or two of silence so I can find it on the waveform. Uh, say, I want to start that over or yeah. yell, boop! And then I'll
0: find it. Yeah, if I spit out a four letter word or something else, pause for a few moments. Yeah, that's fine.
1: All right. Welcome everybody to the Value Clarity Podcast where we talk about customer perceived value and everything it takes to actually deliver that to your customer, everybody in your company that it takes to engage. Uh, Today, I am thrilled to have Craig Jackman, who's the founder and CEO of Paragon IT Professionals, a uh, technology staffing and project management shop.
0: Craig, welcome. Uh, good morning, Mark. Good to see you. Thanks did I get it?
1: Did I get the company description pretty close?
0: You did. Yes, we are in the IT uh, recruiting and contract services business, and we do we also do project work with some partners uh, throughout the world. So, so you deal with technology professionals,
1: uh, staffing them and managing them um, on an ad hoc basis for clients for
0: projects. Absolutely.
1: Um, what are the synergies between those two businesses?
0: Well, the um, the f- for sure for us the project services work is a lot of our customers over over the last couple of decades have uh, entrusted us to find them uh, temporary employees uh, in the IT space. Most of them are software developers, and and um, uh, then uh, over time, those customers have asked us to do uh, you know fixed bid work as well. And and although we're not necessarily tooled up entirely ourselves for that, we've reached out to. Uh, partners in India and South America to, to scale up for our customers. So um, the uh, the project services work certainly comes alongside that contract staffing work for us.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like it was finding a way to not have to say no to your clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right. Um, and it, it becomes a, it seems to me that it would be kind of a soft boundary between when I need a temporary employee when I need to hire an outsource, and when I need permanent employees. And um, drawing those kind of arbitrary lines seems like it's not
0: particularly
1: customer friendly.
0: Well, no, it's not. I think the the interesting part about this for all all employers is they have, uh, certainly that we work with, they have different budgets for full-time staff and contract staff. So of course they pay a premium for that contract staff because they don't have those other additional costs to hiring a full employee like training and, and uh, benefits. So we provide that for the consultants. Our, we have a mix of uh, contra- or um, W2 employees and independent consultants as well as corp to corp. So we certainly have our uh, fair share of H1B individuals from throughout the world that come here on a work visa. Um, but um, in the tighter the labor market, the more likely they are to hire contractors because the pool of candidates is much larger, and it moves faster. So it's really about a war on talent right now. And it had, quite frankly, it's been going on in IT for a very long time, multiple decades. Um, and as the uh, technology stack uh, advances more quickly, it's harder to find people with specific skill sets to move your initiatives forward quickly. So they hire that, that expert for a temporary period of time. Sometimes they'll try to hire that individual as well, which many are successful doing. But um, yeah, right now, I think the statistic is 70% of all corporations are using some kind of contract staffing.
1: How is the modern, the great resignation, the, the, the churn in employees, how is that impacting your business?
0: Well, it's certainly given us more opportunity, Mark. The the challenge is that um, the great resignation uh, isn't just for full-time employees. It's also for contract employees that we have on staff. So we're seeing a little bit of a a higher turn rate on those consultants that come to work for us. But our goal is to um, uh, really uh, find the the candidate that's going to really fulfill their contract term. Um, But it's, it's always a kind of a crapshoot. You don't know whether they're going to Uh, stay in contract or not Um, on a monthly basis, we put anywhere from 20 to 30 new contractors out in the field inside of our customer base. So our volume is, you know, three to 400 consultants a year and we'll turn 70% of those. Wow.
1: Um, Are are you noticing that clients are having, are having more trouble um, retaining the right people or are they, are, are they seeing higher replacement costs?
0: Well, there's no doubt there's a higher replacement cost, and, and some of that is probably embedded in the um, scope creep on the project's initiatives that they have, right? As they start to, well, they build a plan, and then the plan starts to slip, um, productivity starts to drop, efficient, cost efficiencies start to drop, um, or start to rise, I should say. And at the end of the day, they're just not getting as much done. And, and all these employers, as you know, Mark, they're not in the business of hiring people. They're in business of whatever their business is. And hiring qualified people that are going to be sticky and stay around that organization um, is, is uh, increasingly more complex and difficult. So um, their challenge now is how do we, how do we focus uh, time and energy on hiring good people that are gonna help us advance our mission inside the organization. And, and uh, quite frankly, we're finding that the employers are spending a huge portion of their time hiring and maintaining the right appropriate level of staffing for, for what they do. And we have an economy that's been growing for a long period of time, with the exception of some of the COVID driven uh, downturn. But um, in just the industries we work in, and I think it's probably across all sectors, uh, business is, going very well, what's really slowing down productivity. And I think Harvard Business Review has talked about this over over time is uh, the one thing that uh, will slow or um, bring to a halt productivity is a lack of talent and a skills gap that you're trying to hire to. So um, we're seeing a real challenge with uh, uh, organizations in, in really um, capitalizing on opportunity. Yeah, so your primary business is
1: close is getting the people in uh, to do the work. Um, how how much are you impacted by, or is your business colored by what it takes to retain good employees? Are you are you at all involved in retention? You know, I I could see in a mercenary basis, like, geez, man, that's not our business. The more people get retained, the fewer. Uh, the fewer staffing slots we have to fill, but uh, you don't seem like the kind of guy who uh, necessarily thinks that way. So what, what's, what do you do with your clients in terms of helping them to retain people, if anything?
0: It's a great question. And yes, we do. So we do a variety of things. Um, one of the things that we do, which is, I don't know how different it is in the industry, but we've been around for 20, I've been doing this for 27 years. Paragon is 25 years old. And what we notice across um, hundreds of clients and uh, multiple sectors is at the end of the day, your uh, employees will leave and stay based on the type of organization you are and the leaders that you have. So the quality of your leaders uh, is really uh, what keeps employees staying around longer. Um, The world's not made up of a bunch of nomad workers. Everybody wants to be at a place that uh, they feel fulfilled professionally, whether you're a contractor or a full-time employee. So uh, we have a lot of contractors that do convert to our clients. Um, and quite frankly, we don't work with just anybody. We want to work with customers and employers that really have something to offer, not just our contractor, but um, their full-time employees. Because uh, when, an, when a consultant or a contractor steps into an organization, they get a sense for how successful they can be professionally. At that customer so uh, uh, an employer that struggles all the time to meet their objectives isn't necessarily a good spot for the consultant however it does provide us more business opportunity but we want happy customers with the service we provide which means employee uh, consultants or employees that come and stay Um, so uh, we we do work with them and we instituted About 13 years ago, Mark, something called the IT Leadership Forum. And it was really derived from um, my partner and I, who's my younger brother, uh, we were involved in um, roundtable leadership roundtable groups, one called executive forums and one more popularly known as Vistage. Um, And we emulated uh, a IT forum for senior IT leaders that weren't the C-suite because they weren't getting the training. And what we knew, what we knew was that um, employees will stay the better their leaders are. So uh, for 13 years, we have held um, a monthly leadership training uh, program. Uh, it's a 12 12 month commitment, and those leaders uh, come in and have are professionally facilitated to not learn more about technology, but learn about leadership. And so we have subject matter experts that come in and um, also a professional facilitator who's fantastic. And we run this in uh, Minneapolis, Des Moines, Omaha, and soon we're gonna install one into the Phoenix area. Uh,
1: really fascinating. Uh, you know, I'm, a bunch of thoughts came in. One is a really nerdy one uh, that we might even just cut out of this, but uh, the, the traditional economics Assumes that people are emotionless, passionless, and they just come in and do work. And uh, the the rising field of behavioral economics realizes that people are have human needs that just don't fit into the uh, the mathematical formula underneath the supply and demand curve. And um, I'm I'm a nerd about the difference between uh, theoretical economics and real world behavioral economics. And um, Man, there's, there's actually business in the disconnect between those two. Absolutely. Uh, well,
0: Mark, I mean, I think people would assume that contractors don't care about the employer they work at because they're just getting paid on an hourly basis. The truth of the matter is they really care. They still have to go to work and they're still spending 40 to 50 hours of their life on a weekly basis. Uh, you know, really inside of an organization. And the better they feel about that, the work and the outcomes, the vision of that company, they still feel a part of that, although they might not have to uh, uh, participate in the office politics as much, it's still meaningful to them. So I have a lot of consultants that quit an organization, even though they're getting paid a lot of money because they just don't like the people. They don't like the vision. They don't like the company. They don't like the manager. And these, this is kind of a misnomer in the industry. I,
1: I heard from somebody, I haven't looked up this SHRM study, the Society for Human Relations Management um, said, somebody said that they discovered that technology jobs, uh, replacing a technology person costs up to six or eight times the base salary rate when you calculate in lost productivity, delayed projects, Uh, And so forth. Have you seen that or can you uh, I I haven't bothered to go look. I mean, uh, so I'm asking you to I'm I'm the lazy guy asking you to verify anything that you see um, as a practitioner in that industry.
0: Yeah, right on. I think we've you know, I've been in this industry a very long time. I started this business when I was 28 and um, things have certainly changed over time. I left IBM. I worked for IBM for a couple of years and I sold technology two years before that. Um, and it was the first time that IBM have ever ever laid off employees. And when I was there, Mark, um, there were people that had been there 40 years that never had a resume. And so this is actually how I started Paragon um, because I saw a gap. But um, what we do find is that if you look further down um, the, the de- downstream implications of, of losing good people, it's, lo- it's not only just lost productivity, it, it then starts to get into how people feel about an organization. If you've ever worked somewhere where there weren't enough people to do the work and the intense pressure of that, uh, people really um, you become disillusioned in their role. Not only become disillusioned in their role, they become disillusioned with their employer and they start looking for other opportunities that fulfill this primal or biological need to feel part of something. Um, and so, I, even to, is once you start losing leaders that are meaningful to a company, because they eventually those leaders will eventually leave, and then the floodgates start to open up, and people are just going wherever the best leaders are. So the downstream implication and cost of that is um, almost immeasurable. Uh, and no, I mean people have tried to measure that, and I think you're probably right on with six to eight times. Um, I can just tell you that um, the uh, Inherent cost of losing brand, uh, brand recognition or a positive brand uh, emphasis in the marketplace as a business owner is unbelievably costly.
1: Yeah. So my whole thing, as you know, is um, actually taking all of those permutations and trying to help a client put a dollar value to them. Um, Mm -hmm. So the logic is here's the logic. Uh, and now ask questions to, to turn them into dollars. So let's let's recap and let's do a little thought exercise here if you don't mind, of what is the cost of losing technology people? So you've already mentioned uh, some brand effects. Uh, you have a fact that um, when you lose, start losing people, the people that remain are overworked, disillusioned and probably less productive, even though you're asking them to do more, they're actually getting less done. Um, projects are delayed uh, and there's whatever market or, or cost, whatever financial advantage you anticipated for that project uh, is being delayed. Uh, so your ROI goes down just simply because you're waiting longer for the first payback to happen. Um, if it happens at all, does uh, project success
0: rate go down? Project success rate goes down and then uh, future customer acquisition or project acquisition starts to diminish, which is an erosion of the brand. Um, and it's a downward spiral from there, Mark. Yeah. What else are we missing? Certainly there's you know the, the hiring
1: cost, the, the cost that they pay to uh, uh, Paragon IT professionals uh, in terms of search and hiring costs.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's the, that's the easiest one to measure and the most obvious one. Uh, we measure uh, leadership loss productivity. If you have uh, leaders or, and an organization, leaders inside that organization that aren't focused or hyper-focused on creating an efficient uh, interview uh, acquisition and onboarding process of good people, then the, the amount of leadership hours spent unsuccessfully hiring people is immense. And I've had a customer do this math, and he's a he's an Iowa it's an Iowa ag uh, insurer, and he was this chief information officer. He did this study about seven years ago. He's one of our good customers. In one year, I think he lost thirteen hundred hours of leadership time unsuccessfully hiring employees. Wow! So you know, if you look at that across your leaders, and if you just look at a busy leader and said. If I were able to give you 10 hours of your time back to be with your children, be at events, be with your spouse, get in a better headspace, to be a better leader for our company, what would that mean to you? Yeah, just sit
1: quietly at your desk and think big strategic thoughts rather than the frantic, I've got to fill this slot thoughts.
0: Yeah, Um, We we use EOS traction, as you know. Yeah. Um, And one of the big things uh, uh, that are instilled in us by using traction is clarity breaks. When your leaders don't have time to make sense of their work on a weekly basis, that one hour of free time to think strategically and organize their thoughts, they become less productive. We see evidence of that all the time. Um, And so you've got to measure that, too. Uh, How much less productive
1: did you get because you're um, in firefighting mode? Right. I. Wish I could remember. His his book is right behind me, and I I jump up and grab it. But um, he's he's actually a a fellow Midwesterner. He's out of I believe Omaha. Uh, his specialty is sales coaching and training. And he in his book he talked about the leader's job is to elicit discretionary effort from your people. Right, your your job description has some minimum, and you're trying to get over and above that minimum if if they do less than the minimum then you have some legal and hr kind of recourse but your job as a leader is to get so much more out of them and your effectiveness as a leader is should be measured by that discretionary income that you regularly get from your people right uh, and if people don't feel good about where they work that difference between discretionary and minimum starts to get really small. And sure. um, every leader I have ever talked to in every business, uh, they are in a constant battle against mediocrity. That's right. Um, it, and mediocrity comes up in so many forces and flavors. I'm, you know, you know, I'm writing, a, uh, I'm doing a project around that. But um, the big battle in the business world is against mediocrity.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we see that here inside um, our company too. And and quite frankly, there are days, Mark, where I show up and I'm mediocre at my job. It's because I'm not in the right headspace to to be there. So I certainly focus on that for me. I mean, uh, whether I'm being a father or a husband or an employer or leader, uh, I want to make sure I'm in the right frame of mind uh, because then I have the best chance of getting everybody else in their right frame of mind. It's super important to us and people, you know, periodically need to be motivated, but most importantly, they need to be inspired. And so um, part of being inspired is coming to an organization where people work well together, uh, that you have a common vision and a mission for the organization, all of those things that uh, inside EOS and traction that we focus on. And, um, And then we reinforce that on a consistent basis. And I think all companies need to do it. Some are better than others. Everybody knows they should do it, but are they really doing it? Are the leaders leading in the capacity to get that extra um, effort and and, uh, inspiration out of their people? Yeah. So um, back to
1: Paragon and your business and your differentiation, Mm -hmm. Uh, do you have like a a clear, concise um, statement of your differentiation for Paragon that you can articulate? Go.
0: We do and um it's something that we've adhered to well we've had our differentiators over a long period of time we've been in business again like i said for 25 years but we have have established our core differentiators and and um our experience is one of them right our business is a very crowded space a lot of people do the it staffing because it's um it's low low barrier to entry number one Um, but um really we we look at our core values and our differentiators and so our, our differentiators is that we run the IT leadership forum. Nobody in our industry does that. super, super important to us. Um, our consultants in their field are really an extension of our organization at our customer site, so they represent us. So we, are, we have a consultant relationship program called CRP, and our job is to make sure that, that we do the best we can to work with those independent or W-2 consultants to make them feel like that they're part of our organization, so they represent us well at the customer site, uh, and we, we, we spend a lot of time, energy, and money on that. Um, we certainly are um, really passionate about uh, being exceptional in service to our customers and our consultants and our employees. And it's one of our core values, Mark. And that core value is driven the backbone and the engine of that is what we call a legendary service commitment. And that permeates throughout the organization. And we recognize people who embody that core value by testimonies from our customers, our consultants and our internal employees. So we are in a constant state of recognition and rewarding um, those who have testimony about uh, that legendary service commitment. And what that does for us is it not only gets our people more excited to be better, but better for our customers and our and our representatives in this term, to contracts. Um, and that really permeates our customer. Like when a customer works with us, um, they feel like they're working with an organization that's committed to doing the right things for them and the representatives that come on site, our consultants. Yeah. And I think they admire that. Some of them just want the low price, right? We yeah. know that. There's the, the low cost alternative. We don't sell price we sell value. And um, when our, when our consultants do a great job at the customer site, they stay through the term of their contract and want to stay longer than that. Um, That really builds this brand. And that is part of what we call the long game. And we have 25 years of experience to prove that it works. Okay. That's our
1: differentiator. I love that articulation. Um, And so now I'm going to challenge you to, rephrase all of that articulation. You articulated what you do, what you provide, what you sell from Craig's brain out. Now, step around to the other side. What do your clients buy? What outcomes does that customer focus, does that legendary service, what outcomes does that enable your customers to achieve?
0: Yeah, excellent uh, rephrasing of that. Mark, and I think what we see is that when we work with a customer, what we're providing, when we can portray those differentiators, the customer on their end sees that they've got a trustworthy partner. Yep. They know that when they um, engage us, that we're going to find them the talent we're going to be easy to work with. We have an efficient process to, to uh, line up for interviews, move along their, uh, their interview timeline, and get them locked into that organization and that we've, we've become an extension of that employer and that employer's vision for the people who are interviewing with them. So they, we do a fair amount of um, uh, evaluation of that employer before we do work with them. And part of that legendary service commitment is that we understand what, what they want to have heard in the market about them. So um, we want to make sure that their brand is portrayed by us the way they want it portrayed by them throughout the community. So they trust that we're going to do it right. We've got experience. We've seen it all, all the problems, and that we're mitigating those problems before they show up at the client site.
1: Yeah, I had uh, one of my early podcast guests uh, had been in an engineering services firm. So they do engineering project work. And um, he's, he still remembers that he got one of the biggest compliments from one of his clients. But his client said, man, your people, when we hire people from your company, they go native better than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, I love that your people go native and they become part of our culture. They become our meetings. They are looking out for the same things that we are. Um, yeah. That do, do you have, do you have, have everybody... Uh, a client that says that about you,
0: you know, we do. We say that we say uh, we hear from those employers, Mark, that um, our people just seem to be better. The irony of that is, our people are the same people that show up other places too, because they're contractors. Yeah. But they, the, when they show up, they feel, um, they feel like we've done right by them, and they owe us a debt of gratitude. At the client site to do yep. their best work, yep. Um, and so I think that's what stands out to us, and, and um, we've seen and have heard from our customers that um, we thought we thought all you guys were just the same. Yeah. So
1: I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Uh, we a couple minutes ago we went through and quantified all the different uh, aspects of costs of retention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and you described some customer outcomes of they feel you know, easy to do business with, easier to fill that slot. Can you draw a direct line between your differentiation and that whole string of cost elements, right? Those hidden costs of retention. Um, and do you do that regularly with your client saying, yeah, oops, you've experienced us being do- easy to do with, or with a new perspective client, our clients find that this is what they you know, this is what they experience working with us. And we believe, and they've told us that it has this cost, this cost, right? The brand cost, the attention cost. Um, it's hard to get a client to say, I can estimate that numerically, but it's easier to get them to say, Yeah, I believe that. Uh, do you have those kind of drill down into from that that high level easy to do business with into here's what it means in dollars and cents here's where it hits your brand here's where it hits your cost here's where it hits project costs can do you ever do that with your clients
0: we do it periodically mark i'll tell you that's pretty heady stuff um when the customer is i can tell you in the leadership forum we talk about that a lot Uh, We talk about the value of a strong leader, number one, but really the efficiency and uh, the efficiency of their um, their interview cycle and engagement of candidates when they come on board. So um, we have actually done the math over the years on the the downstream implications and the costs for customers. And then they start saying, "Okay, listen, we trust you. We're using you because we we value our partnership. Um, but when we when we really drill down with our uh, some of our customers that maybe haven't been with us as long, they kind of um, we get we get lost in the numbers with them. So we really drill down to how would you like to have your leaders um, get more time back? So we're going to show you how to be more efficient in the interview process, how to engage quicker, and what this individual needs you needs to hear from you and be shown by you to really be a long term engagement or a long term employee. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, we've, we've been challenged with that in the past, Mark. We've actually done the math on that. Some of that um, brand cost or you know, brand creep is marketing. The marketing person understands it. The sales guy is like, okay, listen, I get it, but we need to move faster than that. Let's get going. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, So yeah, that's I, I would propose to you that the more often you have those conversations as part of your sales process, Actually, the more firmly you position yourself as that trusted advisor, as that partner, and the more often you're going to find that you're getting the kind of customers that you really want, rather than, um, you know, earlier you said there's a lot of people who just kind of want uh, to fill heads, but that's not your favorite customer. They, they They generate more fees, but they are not your favorite kind of customer. Uh, as, the, as the CEO, you want a different kind of customer. I'll bet mm-hmm. you'll get more of that that different kind of customer the more often you have those kind of conversations.
0: Yeah, we we've uh, we're tuned into that. We need we always can do a better job, Mark, and um, we we're, we're in a constant state of training here, not just for technology but for um, efficiency. How do we how do we tell a better story? How do we close the, our sales cycle, so to speak? Um, but you're right. Uh, every we and really we empower our account executives to say yes and no to customers. I don't want to tell you that we fire customers, but we certainly know what's a good customer and what isn't. Um, and they have to value some of the things we value. Yeah. So we can work best together because we have we have um, core values here, and we want our customers and Paragon and our consultants to all be in alignment. And when we the more aligned we are with our core values, the the three separate parties, the more successful the relationship is always, which makes it more meaningful, meaningful, more profitable, um, and really inspires our group to do a better job for those customers.
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's a great one. I uh, was once in a um, in a like a two day training on how to sell at higher prices than your competitors, and this guy was. Uh, had a, a bunch of one-liners, and he said, those customers who want price or those wrong kind of customers, they take your best resources, they whine the most, uh, they're the biggest headache, they, t- they consume the most resources, they're the lowest margin, they're the most demanding, uh, they're exactly the kind of customers that you should be raising your prices to get them off of your books.
0: <laughs> um
1: and I, I wish I was as flip as him because he had like seven things. You know, these customers do, 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 do. And it was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, man, every single one of them was a bullet right to your gut. Uh, well, we
0: see, Mark, we, we look at a customer and, and if they don't respect our hard work and our commitment to them, meaning we're just another number to them, we just know long-term it's not going to be a good relationship. Now, sometimes that's an individual leader or maybe someone in human resources, that has just always felt that about our industry. Yep. Um, our goal is to change the uh, A, make changes there if we can. And if we can't, we've got to move to customers that really value what we do.
1: Yep. Uh, fantastic way to wind up a, a great conversation. Craig, this has been fantastic. How can people get a hold of you, uh, learn more about uh, Paragon IT pros?
0: Yeah. Paragon IT professionals. Uh, we're based out of Des Moines, Iowa, and, um, you can, uh, reach us at our website, paragonitpros.com. Um, we're pretty active out there. And, um, certainly if you're a leader in the marketplace that'd like to be part of the IT leadership forum in Arizona, uh, we'll be uh, implanting one of those about middle of 2022. Uh, and as we're developing our market down there, uh, you'll probably see, uh, more of me and my team as uh, time progresses.
1: Man, I'm looking forward to seeing you when you're down here.
0: Yeah, Mark, thank you very much.
1: Good talking to you. You bet. Uh, And thanks everybody for joining us on this episode of Value Clarity Podcast, where we remind you that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that business, sales, marketing, all of it is a lot more like brain surgery than you might've thought. Thanks and have a high value day. Well it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive both of you insane And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues Cause you'll be singing those old, don't know value blue.